Well, let's go to the Lord and lift these things to Him, and you pray as I pray. Lord, we just uh, are thankful for so much. Uh, Lord, uh, again, we're just thankful for life, but especially for the abundant life we have in Christ. Lord, it's all about Him. Help us never to forget that, that all that we say and do, that we might do to the glory of you, O Lord. <clears throat> in thought, word, and deed. And Lord, uh, we come uh, this morning just confessing our sins, uh, just to uh, pour out our uh, lives that, uh, as Paul said, the things that we don't want to do, we do, and the things that we uh, should do, we don't. And Lord, we need your help. We need your power. We need your moving in our lives to live the Christian life. Help us to believe. Help us to increase our faith, Lord, as we look to Jesus. Lord, I, I just lift up to you these requests, and there are many, but Lord, you it's not hard for you. <laughs> it's uh, very simple. Uh, in, uh, uh, what's impossible for us is possible with you. Lord, we do lift up Cameron and, and uh, that Christ would be real to him. Uh, Lord, that uh, you would uh, guard him from temptation. And um, Lord, I lift up uh, Frank to you and his relationship with Christ as well, uh, that he would uh, come to know you in uh, the gospel, the truth. And also, I pray for Josh as his car has been broken into and a gun stolen. And Lord, it's... it's uh, it's always a, a, a terrible feeling and, and uh, a violation. And, but, Lord, I would just pray that you would uh, comfort him in this time and just show him that um, everything works together for good. And, Lord, I pray for Diane and Bruce and Lake Lure. Uh, as they're away from their home, we pray for protection for their home and for that uh, community. And... and for the firefighters as they fight that and, and all that's going on, Lord. Also for our study uh, on No Man Left Behind, that you would continue to lead and guide and direct us. For, for Janine and at Save a Life, that uh, she would learn and, and be a wise counselor. For Pat Cranton, and uh, we pray for healing for her. And for Eddie, uh, uh, with his cancer, Lord, that you would heal him. For Sue McCormick, as she is suffering from fatigue and, and going to the doctors for testing, just be with her. And for Gail, who fights this sickness and illness, Lord, uh, strengthen her and just uh, heal her. For Becky and Margot, uh, who have this eye infection, for healing for them. And uh, for... Uh, Matt for employment and uh, we thank you Father for the answered prayers that have been mentioned this morning and Lord you hear us and we, we cry out to you you're God of grace and mercy we thank you Father Lord we do pray for our new administration that will be coming in for our president and the, his cabinet that he will choose and uh, Lord guard, guard him from uh, compromising with, with evil and, and
making deals. Lord, we know that our hope is not in him, but it's in Christ, in you. And, but Lord, we, we would pray. I give him wisdom. And as he uh, seeks to uh, minister and serve as the leader of our country. And uh, for David and Andrew's work as well. Uh, we thank you, Father, uh, that you've supplied their needs. And now in the second phase that you would uh, supply their need as well. So, Lord, uh, we have much to pray and much to rejoice in. Help us to rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm talking on from Mark chapter 11. And the title is Nothing But Leaves, and that's found in Mark chapter 11, in verses 11 through 14, and I'll read that now. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he had come to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Skipping over now to verse 20. As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Interesting story we find in, in God's word. Uh, and I think there are some spiritual lessons we can glean from this. Uh, are, you prof uh, are you what you profess to be? Are you uh, what you appear to be? And this morning we're going to deal with a tree that looked great. And, uh, but it had only leaves. And it was fruitless. Uh, is that true in our lives? I asked myself that when I was preparing this sermon. Uh, do we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Do people see God in us? This is a really an unusual act of Christ, the cursing of this tree. I don't know of any other miracle where a tree like this or any other miracle where actually destruction has taken place by a miracle. Everybody's healed or something uh, happens, but so it's it's unusual in that sense, and uh, but there's a a truth behind this. I think this is a a story we can read and where we need to say stop. Look, is there fruit in my life? Is there something? Uh, that I need to improve on? Is there something that I need to repent about? Uh, we need to check our lives. We're going to see from Scripture that is scriptural. The, the story really is very simple. Jesus is coming back in Jerusalem uh, after going to Bethany, probably to see Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, who had been raised. And he is hungry because he was a man and he's hungry. And he sees a fig tree in the distance having leaves. But he goes to it and finds no fruit. And only 
leaves. But really, leaves should advertise fruit. You know, we could have leaves in our lives. We can go to church, join the church, we can sing, but that's leaves if there's no heart in it, if there's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit that that's pouring out of. We could be like the Pharisees, as we'll see. Uh, they had everything outwardly. And so these early leaves advertise there may be fruit here. It promised much, but provided nothing. And so Jesus says, may no one eat fruit from you again. And he passes judicial judgment on the tree. And so it remains fruitless. Not only that, it withers from the roots up and dies. And Mark says... That, that it withered from the roots up. And I think the disciples, as well as us, have a lesson that uh, they learned that they'd never forget. And we need to learn a lesson from this that we never forget. Why did Jesus do this unusual thing? Well, negatively, it was not, I don't think, out of selfish anger Uh, Like a child getting mad and saying, uh, I'll get you. I don't think that's what's going on here at all. Liberals have even uh, have said they would not believe in Christ because of what he did here. Uh, And uh, that it was wrong for him. That he actually sinned when he did this. uh, But I don't find that at all. I find a very calmness here. And, And positively, he did this. Out of love. Even though there was destruction in it. I think he did this to teach a lesson. It's a symbolic picture. Uh, It's interesting how Satan will tempt us to think badly of our Lord. Oh, I feel so sorry for this fig tree. Give me a break. We're speaking here of the creator of the universe. It's his tree. And it's a tree. (laughs) So anyway, uh, but I think it's become one of the most useful trees in all of history. I think there was a song made about the tree that became the cross of Christ. A poem or something, but it's pretty, pretty incredible. And anyway, this tree had only leaves. I think this is a, a vivid picture to teach what? It teaches the danger of profession without possession, without reality. To profess to be a Christian, but to be false is dangerous and deadly. You can profess to be a Christian. A lot of people do. But to be phony is dangerous and deadly. And this tree was giving a picture, but in reality, there was no fruit there. It was a tree that looked good, but nothing but leaves. We can have the leaves of uh, of pride and hypocrisy 
And that's what was going on in Jesus' day, was it not? You know, and, and, and it's interesting because not only Jesus, but Paul said this as well. He says, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? So we need to examine. Or there's nothing wrong with that. Lord, am I real? Am I real? Or am I just going through the motions and, and, and hopefully I'll get there if I'm good enough or whatever? 1 John 5, 13 1 John was written so that we may know that we have eternal life. That's why it was written. Go and we'll look at that. 1 John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may what? Know. Not hope so, but know that you have eternal life. Let's go back through uh, 1 John. Uh, it says by this in 1 John 2.3 By this we know that we have come to know him if we what? Keep his commandments. Are we doing that uh, uh, not outwardly but from the heart? 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is what? Not in him. I mean, that's a test. 1 John 2.29 If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Do you practice righteousness? 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death unto life because we love the brethren. Who does not love abides in death. Pretty simple, isn't it? 1 John 4.8 The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Something to ask ourselves. Are we genuine? Are we genuine? I, th- I think, first of all, this is directed to the nation of Israel. What Jesus has to say here. In Hosea 9.10, we find, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. That they came to Baal and, uh, and so forth. But we can see, of course, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, Israel uh, uh, was compared to a fig tree. A fig tree that had figs on it. The real fruit, genuineness. And yet there was only hypocrisy and pride and uh, murmuring, complaining. And so there was no fruit here. Uh, Jesus, remember, goes into the temple and finds no fruit. And then what does he do? He drives the money changers. And we'll see that the next time that I preach. It was a warning that judgment was coming on empty religion of Israel. Because that's the kind of religion they had. It was empty. This chosen people had leaves but no fruit. They profess to be holy with all their rituals and rules. They did all the rules, they did all the rituals, but that does not make you a believer. Your coming here this morning does not make you a believer. 
You come this morning, why? Because you love the brethren. Because you love to come. If not, stay home. You're wasting your time in God's. If you're not coming and worshiping with a broken and contrite heart, humbling yourself before God and praising Him for what He's done for you and saving you, if that's not your heart, you need to repent. And that's what's wrong with the church today. It's full of hypocrisy. Wow. He drives the money changers out. Empty religion. They professed to be holy with all their rules and rituals, and they were not. They had the temple with all its ceremonies. They fasted, and they had feasts and sacrifices. They had, they had God's word. They prayed long prayers. They even tithed to the smallest degree. But if you examine them very closely, there was no fruit. All that was outward. And it's easy, brothers and sisters, for us to do that. I have been guilty of doing that. I have been set through a sermon, and I couldn't have told you one word the preacher said because my thoughts were elsewhere. I mean, that's just a confession, and probably you have even struggled with things like that. There's no fruit of righteousness, only legalism and empty ceremonialism. There was corruption in temple merchandising. And that's why Jesus drove them out. There was no grace, no mercy, no faith, no love, no humility. A form of godliness. A form of godliness, but at the same time plotting to kill the perfect one. That's really amazing, is it not? This withering was a warning. It was a warning coming from God's love that sin is punished. And judgment did come to this nation in 70 A.D. when they ran, sacked Israel, destroyed the temple. So judgment did come. Judaism became a dead and fruitless religion. Once where there was vitality and real praise and real worship, it was now dead and fruitless. And Jesus saw it. I think secondly, it's a warning to churches, as I've already said, and professed believers. You know, in the U.S. this morning, there are thousands of services going on right now. We have our rituals and ceremonies doing what churches do. Singing, praying, reading the Bible, saying creeds. But in reality, there is a form of godliness. But what? A denial of its power. It's a form of godliness. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. Lovers of, not lovers of God. Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. They come to church for all kinds of other reasons. Selfish gain, but they they deny the power of the gospel. By their fruits, you will know them. 
Let me ask you this question. Does our Christianity on Sunday affect the rest of the week? And I say this really meaning it, and I thought about it a lot. Does our being born again affect how we vote for a candidate that is for killing babies in the ninth month of pregnancy? Does our being a Christian affect how we vote? Because I think to vote for them, whoever they may be, is taking part in their evil deed. You're saying it's okay. I'm putting my stamp of approval on that by voting for you. And there are many Christians, I think, who voted for the candidate that did not win. And that's sad, brothers and sisters. That is sad. And it shows you where we are in this country. There needs to be repentance and there needs to be a turning to God. You know, it's interesting. Mahatma Gandhi, as we are all familiar with, he visited a church in South Africa. And this is what Mahatma Gandhi said. The congregation, he says, did not strike me as being particularly religious. They were not an assembly of devout souls, but appeared to be worldly-minded people going to church for recreation and in conformity to custom. And he decided that Christianity had nothing to offer him that he did not already have. And of course, we know what Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi became was a, a leader in, in Hinduism. You know, uh, we have TV cameras everywhere now. And uh, they have them in churches now, when the pastors, so they can put it forth on the TVs and all. And people, when they come to church, you know, they have to really watch what they're doing because there's a camera on them. And they've got to be careful how they act. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. There's a camera on you. And it's called the eye of God. We need to remember that. That God is looking at you. Hagar, we went through Genesis as you remember. It was Hagar. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. Interesting. You are a God who sees. He sees everything we do. There's a camera on you all the time. We need to live as though... Somebody is recording us and going to show it to the whole world. Thou God seest me. Every thought, every action. Again, this is a warning of love from God, I think. It says, we find in scripture that there were great churches who are no longer in existence because... Ephesus lost its first love. Sardis had a reputation of being alive, but was dead. In Carthage, where Augustine preached and thousands were saved, it's no longer there, it's gone. Churches in England today, buildings I should say, that you can go to, are now mosques. I think it's directed here to profess Christians in that there's a lot of leaves in the church. 
There's joining the church, listening to sermons, talking about God. All external because it's not coming from the heart. You can go to Sunday school, sing, and have no heart in it. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, you, you, if you're a phony, be honest with God. And I've been preaching a lot on that lately because Jesus did. And we need to hear it. We need to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, I'm a phony. Help me to be real, God. Working me by your uh, power. Is there holiness in our life? Is there prayer in our life? You know, it's really interesting about the Apostle Paul. We find in Acts chapter 9, we know what happened to him on the road to Damascus and how he was blinded and he received his sight and all. And it says to Ananias when he went to see him, he said, The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for what? He's praying. Do we pray? We talk about prayer. We can, we can have Sunday schools on prayer, but do we pray? Interesting thoughts here. Just uh, showing us the seriousness of this hypocrisy, or this phony, baloney, as I call it. It's phony baloney, and people better get serious about this sin. A lot of people think they're okay because they don't do the big things, murder and adultery and stealing, but they do. See, they just don't see their heart. The sin of hypocrisy. John the Baptist said this in Luke 3, 8, 9, Therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance. You say, I've repented. Does it, is there fruit from it? And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And that's the fire of hell. John the Baptist didn't pull any punches, that's for sure. Matthew seven fifteen and 23, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, for you know them by their what? Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor what? Figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, good figs, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Unless you have the Holy Spirit, you can't produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we? And of course, I'm adding that. And in your name, cast out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, pretty clear, is it not? 
Jesus never pulled punches. He told it the way it was. Woe to you, Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, which is what? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Of course, a gnat being an unclean thing, you wouldn't need it, but they would strain out of their grain the gnats, and yet they would swallow a camel, Jesus said. It was all outward. It was all show. What should you do if you fear you have nothing but leaves? You need to check up. You need to check your life. It's not wrong to check your life. Go to the Lord in your heart. Go to the Lord in your heart. Luke 13, 6 through 18. He began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. You know what? It's not too late. You're not cut down. When Jesus comes again or you die, you're cut down. But it's never too late. You can say, Lord, make me real. I've been a phony all my life. That takes the Holy Spirit. I had to do that in my life at about 23 years old. I played the part. I'd been a faithful son. Everybody thought I was Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. And I was a phony from inside out. And I had to weep and, and uh, repent and give my life to Christ. Change me. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. Can you pray that? Can you pray that even as a Christian? Yes, you can. Change me, Lord. Make me like you. None of us have arrived. I certainly haven't. Talk to Janine. She'll tell you that. You know what? Millions of Hindus wash themselves in the Ganges River. Millions to be clean from their sin. But let me tell you, there's only one way to be cleansed from your sin. And that's the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood. Say, Lord, wash me. Wash me in your blood. We sang about that this morning. You know, Pilate is probably still trying to wash his hands of what he did. He may be in hell washing his hands. It's too late. It's too late. Christians, take off your mask. Take off your mask of hypocrisy. We all need to do that, by the way, even if we're believers. We need to do that. This is not just talking about lost, and I'm not talking about, but we all are hypocritical. 
We're sinners, believers. We're still sinners, and there's the sin of hypocrisy. But you know what? Jesus died for the sin of hypocrisy, too. Aren't you glad? It's not a sin that cannot be forgiven. And praise God for that. Here's a prayer, and I want us to pray this in closing. As I read it, hopefully you can pray this prayer. This was a prayer by a man, Joe Bailey. Joe Bailey. Who in the world is Joe Bailey? I have no idea, but I found it. And uh, can you pray this prayer? Lord, Lord of reality, make me real. Not plastic, synthetic, or a pretend phony. An actor playing out his part, a hypocrite. Lord, I don't want to keep a prayer list, but to pray. Not to agonize to find your will, but to obey what I already know to be your will. Not to argue argue theories of inspiration, but to submit to your word. Not to explain the difference between the definition of the different loves, but to love. Not to sing as if I mean it, but to mean it. Not to tell it like it is, but to be it like you want. Not to tell others how to do it, but to do it. Not always having to be right, but to admit when I'm wrong. Not to be a professional, but a friend. Not to be insensitive, but to hurt where others hurt. Not to say, I know how you feel, but to tell others, God knows how you feel. Can you pray that this morning? We ought to be convicted, brothers and sisters, because we all fail. But Lord, Lord, make us real. Father, come now and speak to to each heart. Lord, we're we're such hypocrites at times, Lord. Even right now, we need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to show us where we need to repent, that we might bear fruit, that we would not be a tree of just leaves. Lord, come now. Touch each one of us. Touch my heart, God. We thank you, Father, for working in us. 
May, Lord, we confess our sin to you because you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, even the sin of hypocrisy. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.